University Hospital in Galway yesterday apologised in the High Court to the family of a Sligo man who died after surgery for treatable cancer. Uh, the surgery was carried out by a surgeon who was under supervision after concerns had been raised about some of his work. Uh, the hospital acknowledging that the death of Shane Banks from Strand Hill could have been avoided. Uh, 43-year-old Shane had surgery for lung cancer in June of 2019, during which major complications arose and unfortunately he died three days later. In a letter to his family, the hospital's uh, management acknowledged the enormity of the personal loss to the family. Uh, The apology was read in the High Court after the family settled its case for an undisclosed sum. And speaking outside the court uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, Shane's widow Kira said he was the best definition of the father she could ever have imagined to me he was the love of my life he was my husband um, he was um, probably um, the best definition of a father I could have ever um, imagined well the family solicitor Roger Murray of Callan Tansy Solicitors is in studio with us now uh, Roger good morning to you good morning Ian. good and morning welcome. to your listeners well, first, on a, on a very human, uh, from a very human point of view, that's heartbreaking to hear. Uh, it really Kira's is. Reaction um, there. You know, and uh, I, I've been I've been doing this job a long time now, and um, they're such a lovely family. That's the first thing to say. And um, I, I, you know, you try and develop a professional thick skin, but um, there there are some cases that you really, I suppose, empathise with massively, um, and this definitely was one of them because. Um, while I, I, I didn't know uh, Shane, uh, I, 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 by the conclusion of the case, I, I feel like I knew him. And, um, you know, people will know the Banks family. They're very yeah. highly regarded, well-respected family. And we should remember at, at, at the time of his death, his kids, his three kids were two, three and four years old. That's right. right. Absolutely. I mean, Shane had everything to live for. 43 years of age, uh, a highly regarded lecturer. Um, in computing in the ATU, had just transferred from Athlone, uh, had persuaded Kira uh, to come back to uh, to Cairo to uh, to the home place in uh, Cairo Keel there uh, in Ransborough, uh, had intentions to build a house and and build a life for them there, um, and that was always his his dream, and was highly regarded as I said, a great sportsman, uh, did the Warriors run every year, uh, played six aside soccer. Um, very, very active and fit man. Everything to live for and then everything changed in March of 2019. Well, can you bring us back to then and tell us what happened? Now, Shane was undergoing treatment for for treatable lung cancer, is that it? That's correct. Yeah. So, what happened was Shane developed a cough in March of 2019. Um, he couldn't really shake it off and then some worrying signs developed. He started to cough up blood. Um, so, his GP referred him uh, to Sligo Hospital for tests and those tests were, revealed some worrying signs uh, and the presence of some worrying things in particular in his right lung and he was referred to Galway um, but the way it was put to him was that this was treatable and survivable and Kira said that the, the surgeon and the people who treated him in Galway said when he asked what does this mean for me in life uh, and the surgeon said, well, he said, you might be able to start your, your soccer match. Um, you might not finish it, um, but, but definitely you'll be, you'll be back fighting fit. Yeah, so all the signs were good. And were the positive. signs were good, yeah. It was caught in its early stages. It was lung cancer. Uh, it was a serious type of lung cancer, which 
is, is aggressive and needed aggressive treatment. But as against that, Shane was 43, strong, fit, active and otherwise very, very healthy. Right, OK. So in the end, there were two operations at Galway Hospital in June of 2019. So where did the complications arise? Then, the, the complications arose, uh, Niall, with, with both operations. Uh, the family were later to learn that the first operation that Shane underwent on the 10th of June um, was actually a lot more uh, tricky and difficult and dangerous than they had thought at the time. Yeah. Um, the, during the first surgery, it, it, the surgery lasted twice as long as it ought to have done. Shane's blood loss was extensive uh, during that surgery and there were complications in particular in relation to his pulmonary artery. Yeah. Uh, they later learned all of this. They didn't know it at the time. Shane and his family certainly didn't know it between the first and second operations. Um, so the net result of the complications from the first operation was that the margins weren't clear uh, and the doctors felt, the surgeon felt, he had to go back in on the 21st of June, which uh, was in fact the sixth anniversary uh, of Shane and Kira's uh, uh, wedding. And he had a long remove between the operations. Uh, So in the first operation, Niall, he had a part of his lung removed, what they call a lobectomy, so uh, the lower part of his lung. And then the decision uh, was by the the surgeon, by the treating doctors, to go back in effectively on the 21st and remove the entire lung. Right. And unfortunately, uh, Shane didn't survive. But at the heart of all this is the fact that the cardiothoracic surgeon involved in the procedure was under mentorship um, and supervision for his cardiac practice at the time, but not for thoracic work and lung procedures. That That is the nub of the case, isn't it? So you're, you're quite right, Niall, and in their letter of apology, the, the hospital have said that there was a failure to consider the introduction of proper supports for the thoracic surgery in Shane's case. So when you think about a cardiothoracic surgeon, there's yeah. two sides to it. There's the cardio side and the thoracic side. And your listeners will know that thoracic has to do with the chest and the lungs and things like that. And cardiac obviously has to do with the heart. So it's a bit like, I suppose, having a pilot who's qualified to, to fly helicopters and planes. They're, yeah. they're still a pilot, but they're, um, they're, they're kind of two, two interrelated disciplines, if I can put it that way. So concerns had been raised internally in the hospital since 2017 about the cardiac side of that particular surgeon's practice. Um, and then in October of 2018, a formal mentorship programme was established, which meant that the surgeon was under supervision and mentorship for the cardiac side of his practice. That was to have run for six months mm-hmm. and was to have ended in May of tw- 2019. But uh, fatefully uh, <coughs> for, for Shane and for his family, it was extended for two months till July of 2019. At a meeting in May of 2019, though, when the further concerns were raised, um, there was advice, very strong uh, advice was given by the hospital and direction that the case selection uh, should be towards low complexity, uh, non-tricky cases. Can you tell us about the inquest? Because the in- inquest into this is key. It was an inquest which went on incredibly for 15 days in all. And it was key in getting to the heart of what happened uh, at the hospital in Galway in June 2019 and the inquest returned a verdict of medical misadventure. That was important, key in fact. Massive, mm. massive. The inquest, there was two components to the, the legal process, Niall. Um, as you say, <clears throat> the, the inquest was hugely significant for the family, firstly because they had to wait so long for it. It didn't take place until January of 2022. 
um, so two and a half years after Shane's death and concluded it uh, because of various interruptions due to COVID and other reasons uh, in, in February of 2022. Um, part of the reason, of course, for the delay was the, the public health crisis that, that intervened. But it was the longest running medical inquest in the history of the state. And it was my honour and privilege to represent the family uh, at that inquest, presided over by uh, the now retired coroner for Galway West, Dr. Karen McLaughlin, uh, who listeners will recall was the coroner in the Savita Halpinavar inquest. Um, a very fearless man uh, and he he really left no stone unturned in terms of drilling right down into the issues. Um, so to the family's dismay, Niall, you know, I remember, recall very clearly two days before Christmas, the inquest was due to start on the 4th of January and the yeah. third was the, was the bank holiday, uh, the, the, the New Year's bank holiday, receiving three large lever arch folders of material from um, the hospital's uh, side and from their, their legal team. And, and quite frankly, what, what we found in that uh, was really, really re- very unsettling for the family because things emerged from that information, things emerged in the course of examination of witnesses at the inquest, which we had no knowledge of prior to that. Um, in its uh, apology issued yesterday, uh, management of the hospital said if there had been proper supports in place for this particular uh, type of surgery that Shane was undergoing, that he most likely would not have died. That's as clear an apology in a statement as the family could have hoped for. How important was it yesterday? Massive for the family. Uh, mm-hmm. As Kira said, there are many families out there um, who, are, who are listening or who've been through the legal process and the case might be concluded and there's no admission of liability and there's no letter of apology. So you're absolutely correct, Niall, in terms of uh, its comprehensiveness, this is about as thorough an apology uh, as you could as you could see. So for the family, um, it certainly provides an element of solace to them that the hospital have held their hands up. What is Shane's Law? Uh, again, this is very, very important to the family. Can you tell us... Uh, what is that and, and why the family want Shane's Law now introduced? So it emerged, as we said, at the at the inquest and then the run-up to the inquest um, and in meetings that the family had had with the hospital prior to the inquest taking place that the surgeon was under supervision or mentorship for some aspects of his practice, as we said, the cardiac, if not formally, the thoracic side. Um, and as the inquest emerged and as the material came to us, it became apparent the the background to that, and it was like the layers of an onion. So you, once you peel back one layer, another another layer emerged. But the upshot was that nobody involved, uh, neither the referring doctor, nor the GP, nor Shane, nor Shane's family, were aware of any issues or concern about anybody involved in Shane's care, and they are adamant that if Shane had any inkling of any question about the competence of anybody involved, he would not have uh, engaged with the process. Shane was somebody who was diligent and thorough and if, if he was buying a car, the family said, uh, or, or, or buying a surfboard, there, there'd have been all sorts of due diligence carried out uh, and he would have got the best bargain possible and would have drilled down into it. So it, more troublingly again though, Niall, was that even internally within the hospital, so during the course of the inquest, Many of the witnesses, the inquest, as you say, ran over 15 days, heard from almost 30 witnesses, a very comprehensive inquiry. Many witnesses were asked, were you aware of this mentorship programme? Were you aware that supervision was going on? And there was a massive disparity in terms of the awareness. Some people had 
a dim awareness of it. Others had a kind of a, a no awareness of it. And in their in the defence of the hospital and, and in mitigation, they would say, well, look, there are issues in terms of somebody's good name and the contractual right to carry out your livelihood and the ability of somebody to rehabilitate and, and, and so on. But we say that's fair enough, but into the balance must be put patient autonomy and patient safety. And if you're going to try and strike a balance between allowing somebody to continue to do their job, albeit under supervision, versus not giving somebody the full facts to enable them to make their make an informed decision about their health, that's not getting the balance right. Mm-hmm. But even more fundamentally, within the hospital, how can you have a functioning health department in any hospital, of any branch of medicine, if there's not full transparency in relation to people's strengths and weaknesses and things that are going on? So... Even at the most fundamental level, there was no formal awareness within the hospital at at a level that was safe of the extent to which this particular uh, department and this particular doctor was under mentorship and supervision. And the families say that has to stop. Yeah. And you said yesterday outside the court that the HSE must make meaningful uh, their apology. What needs to be done to make it meaningful? They need to uh, act on what they said in relation to the recommendations. So one of the recommendations, Niall, um, was and just to go back to what Shane's law is, Shane's yeah. law is that, and the family would say it should be mandatory that uh, if there are issues in relation to supervision or mentorship for any medic, that there should be accountability and transparency in relation to that. At a, the very minimum, people who internally within the, within the hospital system should know about that, and the patients and the referring doctors should know about that. But to go back to a, a meaningful apology, loads of studies have shown, and common sense would tell us that sorry is just a word unless it's backed up by action. So when Kira was asked yesterday as to whether or not the family were, were satisfied or they got solace from the apology, her answer was very good. It's time will tell. So if we see activity, if we see action, if we see things changing because of Shane, what happened to Shane and this letter of apology, then it'll be meaningful. Very finally, Roger, how, how, how is Kira? How are, how are the kids considering what has happened? Um, well, people can only imagine and, and, and the, uh, your listeners can, um, I suppose, tap into their own personal experiences in relation to what it's like uh, for uh, three young children to be deprived of their, uh, their fun-loving, fit, uh, committed dad. I mean, Kira would say, uh, Kira is a, a very highly regarded member of Angarda Siakana and, and obviously was detained on duty several times. And Shane was somebody who was a very hands-on dad a uh, very modern man, cooked, cleaned, minded the kids, nothing was a problem. Um, so for, for that to be gone out of their lives at such an early stage is is a, a terrible tragedy. Um, and in relation to Ray and Alan, his, his brothers, they said that they, they haven't uh, they haven't just lost a brother, they've lost their, their best friend. Um, and Margaret and, and Michael, his, his parents, they're, they're heartbroken because, as I said, Shane had just come back from Athlone, uh, he'd been away for years and now he was coming back to the home place to build a life and build a house uh, and that's been that's been taken from them. So um, it's been devastating all round and as I said, uh, Shane was very well known and very well regarded in the community, uh, a highly regarded lecturer uh, in ATU um, and somebody who would have forged a huge, um, I suppose, would have forged a great path for himself here back in his home place in, in Ransborough. And for that to have been wrenched away in circumstances where the diagnosis was, you know, it was it was challenging. There's no question about that. Shane would have had a, a tough road ahead of him, um, but he was committed and, in fact, had signed up for the Warriors run in 2019 uh, once he got his diagnosis. So yeah. even in March or April, he was committed. He said, no, no, I'm going to run that race in August. And 
Um, if people go out to St. Patrick's Cemetery in Scarden, they'll see the Warriors Run medal from 2019 actually adorning um, Shane's headstone. It was, and, and thankfully now there's a new category for the Warriors Run. The registration is happening um, next week in the Strand on the 27th and uh, your listeners will know that the family have put their name to the Shane Banks Memorial Prize uh, for the first local winner uh, over I think over 40 so um, that's that's something in, in his honour and, and is a great tribute to the man uh, and to the family.